It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Welcome to the podcast. He's Lauren. And he's Scott. Let's get into it. Alright, and welcome to yet another episode. Of course, you can find all of our fantastic Christmas movie coverage at moviesyoushouldlove.com. But this episode, we are going to cover some of our favorite alternative Christmas movies um, and some of our favorite TV holiday specials. Absolutely. Um, You know, uh, I think a lot of us can get a bit overwhelmed with some of the typical Christmas fare that we get uh, fed every year. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, while we love it, at the same time, TBS does run a Christmas story for 24 hours. And, you know, and that might just... uh, Some years, that's just not the way to to roll. Sometimes you need a little bit more... um, Sometimes you, yeah. Sometimes you're just not in yeah. the mood for that. Yeah. Sometimes you need something a little darker or a little different or something that you know maybe focuses on the melancholy of the season instead mm-hmm. of the the joy or you know wh- whatever it is. Yeah. So we've kind of put together a list of some of our favorite alternate <laughs> Christmas movies. Yes. That that kind of get at the subject maybe a little differently or just are even if they're still the happy joyous sort of thing they maybe are stuff that aren't on your normal watching list. So that's kind of what we're here to do today. Mm-hmm. So where would you like to begin? We have a couple lists here that we we can kind of go over. Um, would you like to begin with our TV holiday specials or our fun holiday alternatives? Why, yeah, why don't we get to our TV stuff here first? Because I, okay. I, we don't really want to make that our main focus. Let's kind of roll through that and get out of the yeah, way. And then we, we already, to, we to already the movie podcast, but at, that, at the same time, there's so much that we love about television that is so similar to film that uh, we have to, we kind of have to touch on it. And, if you're like us, you you probably like half of these things already because you already know about these things. Of course, uh, the big one is the Charlie Brown Christmas, which is an absolute delight and treasure that um, you've probably already seen. Um, and it's kind of the way I always kick off the holiday season is like, I have to watch this because it's great. <laughs> yeah. And my, my wife has a thing where, it, you know, I think we have it on DVD here floating around somewhere, but yeah. she always wants to see it on TV. Um, that's <laughs> kind of her thing with it is, you know, it just, there's something about it coming on yeah. you know, Thanksgiving weekend or whenever it is. It just kind of, there's something about it having it, commercial it, breaks. It kind yeah. of feels right for some reason. Yeah. It, it heralds in the season a little bit as far yeah. as TV watching goes. So, um, you know, and that's, that's like, uh, I have the soundtrack for it that, mm-hmm. um, just, it, it it goes into my music mix, yeah. um, you know, pretty much starting Thanksgiving night. I love that and opening never song stops. at uh, Christmas time is here again. Yeah. Children singing. I mean, Charles Schultz did so many things right when he was kind of shepherding the creation of the animated uh, Peanuts cartoons. And two of the things that he did is he insisted on a very professional, very adult jazz soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um he really because he understood that his characters while being child children were going to be addressing um adult topics so he wanted to give that give it a certain adult flavor that adults would respond to and so he said so you get great music in all of the charlie brown specials and cartoons and, and, the and thing, none better than this one i mean yes Geraldi is fantastic in it. absolutely um, and the other thing that he insisted on was child actors and mm-hmm. some of these children aren't actually even actors they're just people who can who sounded good mm-hmm. um and so you get a real that's that's why they sound the way they do that's why sometimes it doesn't they don't quite sound as professional or as good as you would expect when you watch a uh animated cartoon from today where you have you know basically adults pretending to be children mm-hmm. these are actually children being children mm-hmm. in a lot of ways um and that's some of the major charm of it i think is just yeah, absolutely 
Yeah. Uh, My favorite scene in this, um, it's one that, that gets, I think, kind of forgotten, is the scene where Charlie Brown starts writing the Santa to let the letter to Santa for Sally. Mm-hmm. I love that scene where she's like, just send money. Tens and twenties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- this is just, it's, it, there's so much about this to like. I mean, um, you know, picking out the the sad little Christmas tree or, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, there's just, there's so many wonderful moments in Christmas this. Christmas play at the end. The, yeah. Just everything. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, I Did definitely you see, love uh, it. I'm sure you've seen it at this point. There was a Saturday Night Live um, comedy funhouse cartoon where they kind of took this idea of the, of a, uh, basically, you know, at the end of this, uh, you have all the kids. They come around the sad little Christmas tree, and they like they kind of wave their hands in the air in a funny little animated sequence, mm-hmm. and they decorate it. And all of a sudden, the tree looks huge and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And in the Saturday Night Live cartoon, they uh, like the kids. They do that. It looks just like the original. And then they stop. They go, "Look at this power we have! I wonder <laughs> how else we could do this." And then it's about them going throughout the city and like fixing things and it's actually while it's supposed to be silly it's actually kind of wonderful and it's kind of a i kind of like to look at it as a uh spin-off sequel of the this original um yeah it's actually really sweet it actually and it in a really odd way it, it ends with jesus watching them and then jesus like, goes off in, into the sunset basically dancing like snoopy because he's just <laughs> so happy for these kids and you're like, that's kind of wonderful <laughs> nice um anyway Charlie well, Brown Christmas. Yeah, and I was going to say, there was a, a sequel to, to this that came out a, a few years ago. I don't know exactly when it did. But, um, you know, it's also... It, it doesn't have quite the same the same uh, charm, maybe, or, or, or beauty that the first one does. But it's a pretty good uh, special in its own right. And if you get a chance to, it's it has a couple of, of my favorite Is lines. That, uh, it's Christmas time again, Charlie Brown? Yes. Um, my favorite running gag in it is that um, Charlie Brown and his sister... Are uh, she has a major line in the play? She's the angel, and her line is "Hark." Um, oh, I've and, seen that one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and that's that's her line uh, as the angel in the Christmas play. And as she's practicing it, every scene she's in, um, Charlie Brown is there with his hockey stick, and he's you know working on it and wrapping it and you know doing all the things you do to a hockey stick. And she's practicing. And when she finally gets on stage, she gets to her line, and she's been practicing, and she's so proud, and she goes "hockey stick." <laughs> <laughs> and it's horribly embarrassed, and it, it just it just seems so. Does it? I have this memory of like her showing up and scaring people. Doesn't she like show up and go hark, hark, and like? <laughs> I believe I believe that that happens. Uh, it's been a little while, but yeah. uh, you know, there, there's a couple of things like that. Like I, I still quote the hockey stick thing, and yeah. there's another line where um, Peppermint Patty falls over, and and uh, Marcy is kind of like, "Oh, I see you're slouching towards Bethlehem again." Or, you know, there's there's all these little things in it that I still kind of say today. So even that is a is a pretty good uh, little TV special. I yeah. like it. Uh, next two, uh, they come directly from my heart. Um, one is last well back up a little bit For the, ever since <laughs> David Tennant became the doctor um, on Doctor Who they have had Christmas specials and the last one was absolutely the most wonderful one I've ever seen it's called A Christmas Carol um, and it takes place between episode, uh, seasons 5 and 6 and um, it is a wonderful take on the Christmas Carol story it involves the 11th Doctor played by Matt Smith and it is a very sci-fi take on the Christmas Carol. Um, and 
I would recommend it to anybody. Even if you don't watch this show regularly, you don't need to know the past continuity to appreciate what's going on. Um, all you need to know is that the Doctor travels through time. And so in this uh, little blue box is his time machine. And so in this telling of the story, the Doctor becomes the ghost of Christmas past, very literally. And um, in the same way that Ebenezer Scrooge is changed because of witnessing his past, um, the the Ebenezer Scrooge character in this, who has a different name, he is changed because the Doctor goes back and meets him as a child. And uh, because of the adventures they go on, he becomes changed. Hmm. And so he very literally becomes a new person by the end of the episode because of having a different and new life because of knowing the Doctor. And um, it gets there's a beautiful song at the end of it, um, because I forget the actress's name, but there's a girl in it, and she's actually an opera singer, I believe, in real life. And she has a song at the end, and it is gorgeous. And Kelly um, well, probably doesn't want me to share this with people, but she gets teared up. And I mean, and this is just a episode of an ongoing television series that you know involves a big blue box traveling through time, and it is a wonderful take on the Christmas Carol. It 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 is my second favorite behind the Muppets of the Christmas Carol. Uh, adaptations um, it's wonderful I'd highly recommend it to anybody um, Doctor Who it's called A Christmas Carol you can probably you can find it on Netflix I think it's streaming at this point um, but yeah find it watch it it's great um, the other one um, this, I have to throw this out there for a couple of my friends uh, Michael Ennis if he's listening I know he loves this and so does uh, Jason Ortega BJ Taylor we geek out about this <laughs> show we still geek out about this show and that was uh, Bruce Tim. uh helped adapt the Justice League cartoon um, and it ran for like four seasons two seasons as Justice League and then two more seasons as Justice League Unlimited and at the end of the second season there's an episode called Comfort and Joy and it is the Justice League Christmas episode and basically you get to see how all of the all of your favorite superheroes Batman and Superman and um, the Flash how they spend Christmas um, and they all kind of break up, like they kind of they leave the watchtower and they go their different ways. Uh, Superman invites the Martian Manhunter to come uh, come to Smallville with him, and we learn <laughs> that uh, Ma and Pa Kent have to wrap all of his presents and lead wrapping paper, otherwise he would use his X-ray vision to see his uh, his presents. <laughs> it's just filled with lots of little silly little moments. The Green Lantern and Hawk Girl go off to this planet. Um, and uh, the Flash ends up teaming up with one of his supervillains to uh, bring toys to these orphans. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's just, it's kind of silly. It's 20 minutes long. Um, it's, it's great. It's called Comfort and Joy. You find it if you can somewhere. I think it's on iTunes. Um, I, you can get the whole disc off Netflix, but I don't think it's streaming yet. But it's at the end of season two. It's called Comfort and Joy. And uh, I kind of love it. Nice. <laughs> Um, you want to talk about community? Yeah, well, uh, community is just a fantastic show overall. Uh, it's a it's a show that I've really, really loved pretty much from the beginning of it. It's, the greatest show currently on hiatus. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, it comes back. Um, it man, it, it's just every episode is just so. It seems like they're all just so perfectly written. You know, I, I don't know a better way to say it than somebody that. Somebody once compared it to the early seasons of The Simpsons, where The Simpsons 
and this show is just filled with so many jokes mm-hmm. and so many that you miss some of them until you watch it a second or third time. Well, and, and there's some jokes that they set up to pay off like after several years. Uh, you Did know, you see I, that Beetlejuice? Yeah, like I, I was going to say the Beetlejuice thing where there's a, a sequence over over, the, three seasons. over three seasons where each season at some point they have said the word Beetlejuice and the third time they say it, you see, in the third season, Beetlejuice walks by in the background. Yeah. It's just like great things like that that you might not pick up mm-hmm. on. Um, there was there was one episode where one of the main characters, Abed, has an entire story that takes place in the background, and you have to you have to pay attention to see it because it mm-hmm. takes place completely out of focus. But you can tell what's going on, but it's just always happening behind mm-hmm. the main story, yeah. and it's not referenced at all until the end. They go, "Oh, where have you been?" He's like, "Ah, oh, doing my own thing." <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a great show. Uh, some of the episodes, um, you know, take on some of our our modern, th- you know, like the whole modern warfare, uh, modern warfare. episodes have been yes. fantastic. There was an episode um, where they learn how to sail in the parking lot, <laughs> uh, which is still maybe some of my favorite scene because i'm 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 a huge fan of you know anything sailing and pirates and that episode the recent episode in this season where they have the model un yes oh my gosh um (laughs) there's the model un and there's the the recent modern warfare episode where like it starts off as a western and and then turns into star wars turns into star wars he's like oh i see we're going the star wars motif Mm -hmm. now excellent and it's always very aware of what it's doing it has they had a pulp fiction episode they have it's just they had an apocalypse out now episode. Oh I mean, it's, my it's goodness, just been, that was great. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it is. It is a geeks uh, dream it's show. A geeks basically. paradise. It's yeah. really great. It's fantastic. But um, in season two, they had a Christmas episode, um, which was brilliant. It's it's all happens inside of Abed's mind, basically, mm-hmm. and inside his mind because it's Christmas everything turns into a claymation Christmas special. And so all of those, the whole episode references all of those classic Rankin and Bass Mm -hmm. claymation, you know, um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and uh, the the Frosty the Snowman. I guess those were animated and not claymation. I mean, just that style of of, uh, movies from the from the 60s and 70s and mm-hmm. 80s uh that you know were on tv the the christmas specials this is a complete homage to mm-hmm. those specials and it, yeah and it's and it, it starts there and then they kind of layer it with a little bit of psychology where all mm-hmm. of the characters are metaphors for how abed sees them in real life mm-hmm. and it's just like one thing on top of another and it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely. I think we both love this episode as a, as just an episode in general, and then as a Christmas special. You know, it just has that extra layer of of stuff that we love about it. Yeah, it's out on DVD now, so you can definitely find it um, on Netflix. I don't think it's. I don't know if it's streaming. I've never looked that up. I, I feel I like know, they just added Community. I could be wrong, but um, uh, I know it's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find it. It's season two. It's called Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, and. Uh, it's great. Uh, what's that guy's name? I'll, John Oliver is in it because he he's kind of has a recurring cameo throughout the uh, the whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, anyhow, so speaking of, of those Rankin and Bass uh, specials, my favorite from childhood. Uh, this is kind of something I always try to see every year somehow I'm not if I can. Familiar with this? Um, it's the title. It's called "Twas the Night Before Christmas," and the basic premise is that. Um, Santa basically calls off Christmas because uh, oh, someone yeah. someone writes into the newspaper uh, and basically says that they don't believe in, in Santa anymore. And it turns out it's this mouse um, who uh, ends up, uh, you know, this, this kid, he's, you know, 12 or 13 or whatever, and but he's a mouse. And um, his dad kind of reads him the riot act and helps him rediscover Christmas. And there's this whole thing with trying to, like, um, fix the bells in the church tower and the in the clock tower so that um, it can herald in Christmas and so Santa can come and it's it's just one of my favorite Christmas TV specials. Um, I've loved it since I was a kid and so it just kind of it had to make the list for me. Um, nice, yeah. So uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of those that kind of came out of that era, but this is kind of the one that I love maybe the most. So, anyhow, and then our final must-see TV holiday special. See, must-see is a really strong phrase. This and, is... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I brought it into this, because this, this last one... It has say, to be seen to be, be believed. Yes, and it's something that we apologize in advance if you do go see it, but at the same time, welcome to the elite club of those who have. Yes. Um, and this, of course, is the Star Wars holiday special. Um, you can, you've heard of this. And you've heard people talk about how bad it is. And if you haven't, let us be the first to tell you about it. But it you is... You, I mean, people, yeah. people complain about episode one. They have no right to complain about episode one. Yeah. Compared, this made compared to this, episode one is Shakespeare. Literal Shakespeare. I mean, yes. it's, it's... This... This was made between. Um, well, I, I believe that in the in the commercials during it, they're advertising Revenge of the Jedi. So it's it's, it's obviously of, be, Return yes, of the Jedi. No, re, because it was it, it, Revenge of the Jedi before they changed oh the title. My, okay, to Return. so it's really yeah. early. Yeah. So it's really early. Um, so it's it's obviously before Return of the Jedi. So after Empire. After Empire, right. So there are two movies in, and someone somewhere decided that why wouldn't you make, you know, with Star Wars being so successful, why would you not make a TV special for for the holidays? Because surely they must have Life Day in space. Um, they don't have Christmas anymore. They don't have Thanksgiving. They have Life Day. Yeah. Um, which is a wonderfully generic holiday when on the Wookiee home planet... Uh, you spend the first, like, 15 <laughs> minutes of this stupid special on Kashyyyk with the Wookiees. And they don't even speak any English in they it. Don't uh, obviously they don't subtitle them. And they don't subtitle them. So all you have... <laughs> that's the first 10 minutes of the episode, is, is 10 minutes of that. Um, we find that we are with... Uh, Chewbacca's family, yeah. Mala, Lumpy, and <laughs> Stinky, Scratchy, Itchy. I think. Yeah, Lumpy. it's one of those I don't know. names. You're like, <laughs> it's why. It's uh, you know, there's this whole plot line of Chewbacca trying to get home for 
life day. They're trying to outrun Imperial blockades. He and he and Han Solo are just to get get him home for the holidays. Yeah, which and, makes no sense because you're trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out when in the if this is supposed to take place. Mm-hmm. I guess this takes place before the first Star Wars movie, uh, even you, though at the end. They you'd, you'd say that, but they, but they keep they keep calling up like Mark Hamill, who's working on yeah on a Tie Fighter, and but maybe it's supposed to take place after the first movie. I don't know. It's like yeah. this. It's it's terrible. It's and like some, somehow Carrie Fisher ends up on the planet and sings the life the <laughs> Life Day song, yeah. which is strangely set to the tune of the Star Wars theme. Um, it is <laughs> at know, one point somehow, somehow dad watches Wookie porn and yeah. it's in the it's in the show yeah and somehow they get Art Carney and B Arthur into all of this B Arthur uh, has a musical number in a bar it, where basically she is the owner of the Star Wars cantina is <laughs> is my understanding but it's basically calming all the patrons down and singing them a happy lullabies yeah kind of. it's, it's closing time and they're not happy about mm-hmm. it so she starts it's, singing. And it's it's literally two hours long. It is and the it feels longest like four hours. Yes, so there, is, I have to do. There is one. There is one. The cartoon. It's not, it's not redeeming, but it, it, it almost is, makes it worthwhile. It almost makes it worthwhile because there is a in the middle of it. There is an animated sequence, which is technically, I believe, the first time we ever saw Boba Fett. So maybe this came out before Empire, because I think that was kind of its claim to fame was that this was the first time we saw Boba Fett, and. Um, there's a story about uh, that bounty hunter, Boba Fett, as he uh, does something. I forget what the story is now, but I think he rides a dinosaur-like creature at one point. <laughs> he's chasing down something, and it doesn't really tie into the movies. It's like he's not fighting Han Solo, I don't think, or anything uh, like that. I was going to say, I know the other characters are in I know, I know you see C-3PO and, and some of them, so I, I honestly don't remember. Maybe it's, it ties into the droids cartoon then, because there was a droids thing. Yeah. But it's... It, it's, it's been long enough, and honestly, I'm not quite willing enough to actually no. go back and rewatch this to understand but it. The animated sequence is legitimately good. Mm-hmm. Like as far as a 1970s, 1980s made for TV cartoon animated, animated thing can be, it's decent. And if you could find that sequence, I would say you know watch that mm-hmm. definitely. The rest of it, <laughs> you know, you should see. I mean, everybody should see this at some point. That's being said. If you only make it through ten minutes, don't kick no yourself. Blame it's, you. Yeah, and um, you know, I I'm pretty sure you can find the entirety of all of this uh, at YouTube or somewhere. It's yeah. it's not it, you know George Lucas has completely disavowed this. He, I know he, he, I know you can find the B Arthur sequence on YouTube. I've yeah. seen that posted. So I'm sure you can find this if you're really interested in it. Um, it's not good, but it's interesting. And <laughs> Harrison it, Ford it, does it, show up in it. I mean, all the main characters do show up at one point. Yeah, it it is the most painful thing you will maybe ever watch, though. So yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah. So that's our uh, must see TV holiday specials. Uh, so um, moving so from from that travesty, moving from that travesty to some some fun films that are uh, they kind of some of them tie directly into Christmas and are legitimate Christmas films. Other ones, like the first one, I'd like to recommend to people is. Die Hard. Um, not what you would consider a Christmas movie, but kind of like a lethal weapon that Lauren talked about, um, is set at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a big plot point of the whole story is that he's coming home for Christmas. Him and his wife have been kind of separated. They're going to try to rekindle the love or whatever. And then, um, you know, Alan Rickman gets involved and it becomes one of the, my, it becomes my favorite action film of all time. Yeah. And it's, it's a great, it's a great action movie, and it's a it's a good Christmas movie as well. You know, it, yeah. um, 
definitely fitting this time of year. And if you're if you're looking for something that's a little less, um, you know, heartwarming and and you know definitely has those moments in it with his wife, but it, it really is about you know things blowing up and yeah. gun yeah. shooting and this is my favorite Bruce Willis film, and it, this kind of defined the action movies for a time there for about a decade. Things definitely you know you you would hear movies being described as, oh, this is Die Hard on a train. This mm-hmm. is Die Hard in the mall. This is Die Hard, you know, wherever, on a boat. Um, this is just Die Hard. And mm-hmm. it's a really, it's a legitimately good action film that holds up. There are, you know, it came out in the late 80s, and so there, some of the music feels like the 80s. But um, you could make this movie today and release it, and I think people would still love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple of, of movies, just jumping to a couple of other things here, sure. that didn't make our top six list, uh, specifically mine, but didn't, but just barely missed it. I mean, they definitely would be in my top ten. Um, would be uh, Holiday Inn and White Christmas. Um, okay, these are not really alternatives, but I wanted to get them in here because um, these are both great Christmas movies, um, and they are the movies that really brought us... Um, some of our favorite Christmas songs, uh, you know, White Christmas is, yeah. is in them and stuff. I just wanted to throw a mention into them. Uh, I, I love them, and they're, you know, Bing Crosby and yeah, aren't those, Fred Astaire. Uh, Porter? Uh, Irving Berlin. Irving Berlin, sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so just some great stuff in there. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to kind of shoehorn those in. Those oh, aren't really alter- alternates, but they're they're great movies. Well, if you want to talk about great movies that just barely mi- missed my cut, again, if we did a... 10 movie list, mm-hmm. I would have included the Grinch movies. I know some people aren't big fans of the Jim Carrey Grinch. I happen to really enjoy it. It makes me laugh, and I think it's, so far, the best uh, Doctor... not Doctor Who. <laughs> the best uh, Doctor Seuss adaptation we've seen. Um, with it, maybe the exception of Horton Hears a Who. Yeah. Um, the, uh, definitely the animated version which everybody loves i know nobody i don't know anybody who doesn't like the animated one but the live one is actually a lot of fun if you haven't seen it um and if you have uh, give it another go because it's it's a lot of fun it has some uh, really great moments that i still quote um yeah. that you know with him jim carrey's clearly allowed to improv a lot of stuff mm-hmm. but ron howard definitely understands how to tell a good story and he is able to rein jim carrey in a lot more than whoever tried to rein in Mike Myers when he did get in the hat. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the thing that really did it for me on that movie is uh, the the girl who plays the the young Who girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought she was fantastic and like the most adorable girl on film ever, basically. And, uh, yeah. and so, and like it's it's almost impossible to watch that movie without like the Grinch having your heart melted a little bit you know it's yeah. just she she is like sickeningly sweet um, <laughs> she's, she's adorable and like uh, she's got a great song that she sings yeah and that and, girl has actually grown up and is now on Gossip Girl yeah so that's so there's great. that <laughs> um, but yeah uh, so that that movie works pretty well and, and the animated TV version is also a lot of fun you know uh, yeah. the song is great everyone loves the song oh yeah and you, it's so whether it's Boris Karloff so- singing it or the or the Jim Carrey version. Yeah, and it's so funny to me that that song has become so much part of uh, the Christmas culture. I mean, it is covered now by artists. So you pick up a Christmas album, it's not uncommon now to see the Grinch on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it appears in other Christmas movies, like Home Alone. One of the things Kevin does while he's Home Alone is watch the Grinch. Yeah. So, anyhow, so that's that's some good stuff with that. Um, another film, this one's really going to kind of come out of left field, I guess, on this one. Um that 
I really like for Christmas is uh, Edward Scissorhands. It's not technically, it never actually mentions Christmas, I believe, um, but the entire point of the movie, it, it, you know, it starts with um, this grandmother talking to her granddaughter as she's putting her to bed, and the granddaughter asks, Mom, where does, or Grandma, where does snow come from? And uh, she ends up telling the story about Edward Scissorhands, and um, I forgot about that part. And how she and how he is the cause of snow. Uh, it's all him making ice sculptures up in his house on the on the mountain, um, you know. And that's why it snows now because it's mm-hmm. it's all he's making sculptures of her basically. And uh, you know, it's it's a fairy tale, if you will. It's kind of a a dark fairy tale. Well, it's, it's Tim Burton. So it's Tim Burton. It has to be so a little it's, bit dark. It definitely has this edge to it, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's to me, it's always been kind of a really beautiful kind of film because it's at its heart. It's a love story. Um, and it's, it's kind of that sad, unrequited love for quite a bit. And then once it is, it's that doomed star crossed lovers who can never be together. So it's, it's got a lot of that in kind of a weird, mm-hmm. um, in a weird, heartfelt monster movie. Yeah, it's the, and it's the, it's the first Johnny Depp, Tim Burton film. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so it's 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 uh, I I love it. It's it's a beautiful film. It's it it will kind of get you a completely different look at the holidays, but it still has kind of that nostalgic, um, you know, kind of fairy tale sort of thing that we associate with Christmas to it. And and that's a really cool movie that that. It's probably in my top ten Christmas movies. And that um, is actually a nice segue into The Gremlins. <laughs> and, and what isn't <laughs> really a good segue uh, into The it's Gremlins? A, it's a funny little movie that I saw for the first time a couple of years ago. Um, it's one of those movies that I, I think everybody, at least my, growing up, who are my age, probably knew about Gizmo and knew about The Gremlins. Uh, just watch it. And it's a very odd movie because I always kind of assumed it was a family film. It is a, you can either look at it as a dark comedy or a light horror film. (laughs) Um, Gremlins 2 is definitely more comedy, um, but this first Gremlins is a legitimate, scary kind of movie that has some really silly wackiness in it from time to time. It all takes place at Christmas where this little boy gets a, is given a present, um, who's this adorable little creature, and then things go amok. And there's some really great animatronic puppetry going on. I think Joe Dante directed this, who also has directed some other wonderful um, creature kind of movies. Um, yeah, it's, it's a definitely it's a dated movie. It's from the 80s. Phoebe Cates is in it and has a really funny uh, monologue at one point um, about how Christmas was ruined for her at one point. But I'll let you see that movie to, <laughs> to enjoy that. And uh, it's, a, it's a fun movie. I'd recommend it. Yeah. Um, maybe jumping a little bit from kind of the weird into just kind of some alternate takes on, on the holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another favorite of mine um, that it, it kind of gets at things a little bit differently. It's it's really kind of a, a retelling, if you will, of, of the story of the Magi from uh, the Nativity concept. Um, but it is Three Godfathers, which is an older John Wayne film. Um, basically, there's these three bandits um, who inherit. Uh, basically, they come across a woman who's dying, and um, she's just given birth to a baby, and they t- have to take the baby across the desert and try to get it to civilization. It's kind of the things that they are, are willing to do. Um, you know, they are kind of like the three magi in a lot of way, and and um, 
uh, it's just it's a, it's kind of a great little uh, movie. Um, very different than a lot of your typical John Wayne stuff. It's not nearly as you know kind of well howdy partner kind of stuff it's much you know it's 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 much more intimate and uh just some really beautiful themes to it that it's it's really good um i just i have to interject here real quick not um this this there's no easy segue into this but i was just reminded um that a friend of ours recently recommended a movie that i have never seen it's actually not a movie it's it's a two episode uh i guess mini series that came out in britain called hogfather I've seen those. Yes. Okay. So yeah, you it's, kind of it's know what ba- it's about. It's yeah, based it's, on it's the Terry Pratchett books. Yeah, it's the it's the Discworld series, and um, yeah, it's it's basically if you know anything about Discworld, it's kind of this weird fantasy world, um, often humorous and with a lot of puns and mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, all all kinds of stuff, and uh, yeah. <laughs> The Hogfather is kind of kind of their take on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and um, I I'm going to watch it this holiday season. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not honestly the biggest Terry Pratchett fan. Um, I've never been able to really get into his books a whole lot. But um, our friend he was he was describing having just watched it with his son, and his son I'm guessing is five, maybe mm-hmm. six. And as he's tell as he was describing the movie to us, his little boy was running around citing lines from it. And every time he would say the hog father, his little boy would go, The Hog Father And so it's it's <laughs> clearly a movie that uh, really resonated with this little boy. So if it's a movie in my book, if it's a movie a you know, a thirty year old man and his five year old son can enjoy, then that, that's that's a good movie. It gets high marks for me. So yeah, I, I think it's gonna be one of those your enjoyment is going to vary based on you know how much you actually enjoy the Terry Pratchett style. You know that's it. It's it's not bad. It's 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 on but it's, it's it is on Netflix streaming. I just found so yeah. So go check it out. Yeah, definitely. Um, in that vein, uh, I guess going back to some of the weird, um, <laughs> uh, another kind of weird Christmas movie is uh, Brazil. Brazil. Yes, Terry Gilliam's. 1980s uh, ode to corporate culture. I do not remember <laughs> this being a Christmas movie at all. A lot of it happens at Christmas time. It's, okay. Again, it's it's that kind of concept, and it has one of the freakiest Santa Clauses in the world that you will ever see. Um, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's 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 not exactly a Christmas movie, but it has Christmas elements to it, Fair and. It's it's a weird little movie. I I personally love it quite a bit, but it's definitely, um, it is definitely coming from a very bizarre place. I mean, it is it is Terry Gilliam who mm-hmm. who uh, definitely has his own sense of everything. And uh, uh, again, your mileage may vary on this one, <laughs> depending how much you you kind of like absurdist black comedies. Uh, speaking of, yeah. <laughs> and speaking of uh, mileage may varying and people with very unique perspectives Ernest Saves Christmas <laughs> <laughs> um, movie that I loved as a child and honestly it's it's still funny but Kelly and I watched this last Christmas and it did not hold up um, it, it has not aged well um, no, no. It's like it's definitely a movie for children, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's some sequences in it that are just a little painful. 
um, there's a, there's a couple of uh, sidekicks who have a reoccurring subplot that I got very tired of watching it uh, more recently. But that being said, it does actually have a very nice resolution, and it does have a very sweet moment at the end. Um, and Ernest, I love Ernest, if, even if I don't watch his movies anymore. Um, his comedy style will always have a, a warm place in my heart because I grew up loving Ernest Goes to Camp and Ernest Saves Christmas and Ernest Scared Stupid and Ernest Goes to Jail and Ernest Makes an Ernest Movie. Um, <laughs> it, it's fun, but you know it might not be a movie that you know holds the value that you once gave it. I was going to say, I think it's going to be some of your nostalgia is going to be your your basis of how much <laughs> how strong your nostalgia yeah your nostalgia is going yeah. in full force I think mm-hmm. yeah um definitely um kind of jumping from complete uh uh straight up comedy like that um to maybe something quite a bit more serious um another great Christmas movie is 1968 uh, the Lion in Winter with Peter O'Toole and Catherine Hepburn. Um, this is uh, just a, a fantastic movie. It's about Eleanor of Aquitaine and, and Henry uh, having winter or you know having having their Christmas together. Um, obviously, these are characters who had a hugely strained relationship. I mean, Eleanor was imprisoned for a number of years and, you know, any number of things went wrong. They had children who you may have heard of, you know, Richard Lionheart and uh, Prince John. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, uh, so it's definitely an interesting family dynamic and this is is just kind of one of those powerhouse sort of films um, that shows off two of the greatest actors of, of their generation probably and uh it's it's a fantastic movie um for any number of reasons it's it's beautifully written it's um i just put this on my yeah. netflix queue i've been wanting to see this yeah so and and like i said the whole thing pretty much takes place over christmas and uh you know so if you're if you're kind of looking for something that's maybe not christmas specific but has kind of that historical um bent to it or, or kind of has that dramatic powerhouse kind of thing this is this is the movie for you and if you're kind of in a similar mood but you're just a little bit nerdier um <laughs> you might want to pick up batman returns <laughs> another movie that takes place at christmas and so it has a lot of christmas imagery in it um this is the second tim burton batman film starring michael keaton um this is the last Batman movie that was made before they got Joel Schumacher silly. Um, so it's, it's a very dark movie. And when you watch it, you'll, you'll actually, I think you'll be a little amazed at how dark it really is. Cause the whole story revolves around the penguin played by Danny DeVito, um, kidnapping all the firstborn of Gotham and going to drown them underneath the city and he's and it's like it's very dark but then it's absurd because he's got this penguin army of little cute penguins with rockets on their back um <laughs> and then you have catwoman in it um played by michelle pfeiffer and probably the best so far incarnation of the character um it's a bit of a mixed bag it's not the best batman movie but it is an interesting one to look at where you can see how dark the batman movies uh used to be and in a slightly different take than the current christian bale um, version of Batman. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. It's and it's, <laughs> and it's definitely a Christmas movie. I mean, again, yeah, it, it takes place 
over and around Christmas, and uh, there's uh, quite a number of of elements of that in the movie. Very so. Burton-esque. Yes, exactly. Um, if you kind of want to... Maybe if you're over the whole Christmas thing, especially the commercialism of Christmas, um, there's a great documentary that Morgan Spurlock produced called What Would Jesus Buy? Um, and, and this is... It is very lighthearted and fun. Um, and it's basically this uh, documentary about commercialism and specifically a group that um, is trying to uh, protest against commercialism in America. Um, and so there's a character uh, who is kind of an activist performance artist kind of character uh, who goes by the name of Reverend Billy. <laughs> and he has, he has, a, he has a, a troupe that travels with him that uh, are basically a, a choir and they're called the Church of Stop Shopping. <laughs> and so they travel across the country and, um, you know, they they kind of do impromptu performances in Walmarts and uh, various places. They'll go and speak at different places. Um, they go and protest Walmart. They uh, they they stage a a uh, concert in the middle of Disneyland. Um, and that's kind of their whole point is trying to get to Disneyland during all of this. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely a, um, a look at commercialization of Christmas and, uh, and in general materialism in America. Um, you know, whether you end up agreeing with it or not, it's, it's a pretty entertaining film and, uh, Reverend Billy is, is quite a character. So, uh, it's kind of worth it just for that. Um, another series of films, and this, uh, not really Christmassy at all, however, very Christmassy to me, are the first three Harry Potter films. Um, the, uh, they're, the first two were directed by Christopher Columbus, the third one was directed by Alfonso Curran, and they, the first one definitely has a Christmas feel to it and those first three those first three harry potter films were all released around the holidays mm-hmm. and so i think they were infused with a little bit more uh not christmas cheer necessarily but a certain spirit of the season sure. and um john williams composed actually a really wonderfully dark christmas song for the thir- for uh, the prisoner of azkaban um using lyrics from william shakespeare's uh macbeth the double t- double trouble toil and trouble um and he turns it into like a Christmas Carol, and it's it's fun. And they're they're great movies. They're a lot of fun. Um, the third one's my favorite. The, these first three definitely have a certain uh, fun vibe to them to watch at night with hot chocolate. You know, it's like it's a good family uh, entertainment while also being something not completely tied into the holiday, but something that still kind of evokes that spirit. Yeah, definitely. Um, this next movie. Uh is maybe not exactly an alternate uh, for a lot of people. Maybe it's the default, um, but to me, it's kind of an alternate at this point because I got so fed up with it after having seen it so many times. <laughs> it it really is a great movie. Um, it's just kind of one of those that I don't know. I've I've probably seen it. I don't know fifty times, uh, probably within one year. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a wonderful life. Uh, the Jimmy Stewart classic. Um, Kelly has never seen this. I don't know how that's possible. See, and it, 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 for someone like that, I would definitely say, 
go see this movie. It's a beautiful movie. It really is. It's maybe a little long and maybe a little, um, you know, maybe there's there's a little disjointment to it in, in parts or whatever, but it's still a really, really good movie. Um, but the reason everyone has seen it so much, this is a, a very interesting sort of thing, is that in... In 1974, the copyright on the movie was not correctly renewed. And so it kind of basically entered public domain for several years. And so TV stations did not have to pay to air it. (laughs) Um, And so, obviously, it became everyone's... And by everyone, I mean everyone who ran a TV station, their favorite Christmas movie because they could run it for free. And it was a big name, big actor, big Hollywood sort of movie. And so for, I don't know, 30 years and, until all of this got cleared up in, in 1993, so 20 years, I guess, um, this movie was everywhere. Uh, at this point, I think NBC is the only uh, channel that has now actually licensed it. Um, and they usually play it, I guess, maybe Christmas Eve. Um, um, but yeah, it it uh, definitely um, is a great movie. There's a there is a reason it had, other than the public domain thing ha- hammering it into our heads. Um, it definitely has a reason that it's so loved, and you know why everybody talks about Zuzu's pedals and all of that. It's it really is kind of a beautiful reaffirmation of life and of what what difference one person can make. Um, so yeah, definitely a, a beautiful movie. Um, movie, I guess, that probably some people kind of use as their go-to alternate, but it's not necessarily one that is on my list of alternates because I can't decide if it's a Christmas or a Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. I can only decide, I only know I don't feel like it's a kid's movie, <laughs> and that's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, the Tim... People give it to Tim Burton, but it's actually Harry Selznick who uh, mm-hmm. directed it. Same guy who directed Coraline. Um, interesting little movie that is based on a, a short story, I believe, by Tim Burton about Jack Skellington, a creature from Halloween Town who stumbles into Christmas Town and decides he kind of wants to be Santa Claus and tries to be Santa Claus, but ultimately discovers he cannot be, for he is not Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> and it's. It's it, it's it's fun. It's not my favorite film by by a stretch. I you know if you, it's not my favorite Tim Burton film, and it's not my favorite Henry Selznick film. But it has some really great songs in it. It has some fun ideas. Um, it's just not quite as fun as I want it to be. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those movies that I really like the idea of mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, and and I even like a lot of the like I love the way it looks, and I love a lot of things about it. Other than maybe the actual movie itself, I almost feel like <laughs> I would like this book a lot more than I like this movie. Yeah, like if Neil Gaiman wrote an adaptation of this, I think I would love it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that said, it's it's not a it's definitely not a bad movie or anything, and and I, I can see why a lot of people do love it. It just has never quite clicked for me on all cylinders. I guess is maybe the yeah. the biggest thing with it, but it's still a great alternative movie. Um, you know, I know it has a huge following, mm-hmm. and uh, hot topic you know, and crowd. It, yeah, <laughs> and, and and it really might work for you. And if it does, enjoy. Definitely, it. definitely enjoy it. I think. Yeah, I think this is a movie that where mileage definitely mm-hmm. varies. Um, movie that I saw a while back. I I 
I don't remember much about this movie. I just remember enjoying it. Is Tokyo Godfathers, which is not necessarily a Christmas movie again, but it kind of invokes that Three Kings kind of a feel of a story. Uh, if my memory serves correctly, it's um, three uh, elderly kind of homeless people in Tokyo or men specifically who discover a baby and kind of try to take care of it. Um, I don't remember a lot. I just remember liking it and feeling like it's something that you should seek out if you're looking for something a little bit different this holiday season. Yep. Um, And then uh, just kind of wrap up here. We've got a couple of, uh, these, these are maybe a little bit more typical rom-coms um, <laughs> yeah kind of rom-coms but you know a good way to round out the list here of stuff just some just some nice happy sorts of mm-hmm. Christmas things that you can get to um, there is of course the uh, uh, While You Were Sleeping Sandra Bullock and mm-hmm. uh, you know this is a movie that happens pretty much entirely over Christmas and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of reference to Christmas in it and the holidays um and, you know, and it's one of the things that just kind of, you know, it's it's a fun rom-com. And if you are kind of looking for some of that uh, happy feel-good, but maybe don't want it because specifically of the season, this might be a great way to get it. Because it'll, it'll have it around the corners without actually being smack dab in your face. And another great little one I'd recommend is Shop Around the Corner. Um, which was another Jimmy Stewart movie. This is actually the basis for You've Got Mail. This Mm -hmm. is You've Got Mail was a remake of this. And um, so if you've seen You've Got Mail, very similar story. Um, It's just a a nice old film that you can watch maybe with your parents because your mom's going to really enjoy watching Jimmy Stewart again. Um, But I think you would like it too. Um, I enjoy. Yeah, it. yeah. This is definitely you know it's it's just to kind of give you the basic thing. It's it's you know two people who fall in love uh, via written correspondence while not really liking each other in real life. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah uh, like they're they've been writing to each other and they continue to write each other throughout the film, mm-hmm. not realizing the person they're working with is the one who's receiving said letters. Exactly. And it, it, you know it really is. It's it's probably a better alternative if you're really over Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. You know this is going to be a much, yeah, uh, probably something you haven't seen nearly as much, and it's probably equally as compelling and uh, you know <laughs> just a cute, yeah. a cute romantic film. So that is our list. I think that is everything. There is one I would like to add as a movie I have not seen that is on my list of things to watch this Christmas because everybody who has seen it has recommended it to me. It's a movie called Merry Christmas. It's a French film that was originally called Joyeux Noël. Sure I was going to say that is on my list of stuff to see as well. I have not yeah. seen it either. It, I'm, it's, I just put it at the top of my uh, Netflix queue. It's basically, from my understanding, it is the. Uh, it's based on the true story of um, Christmas Eve and um, during World War One. There was, I think, it's the British, the French, and the German all kind of had trenches that were bordering each other or facing each other. And on Christmas Eve, they kind of just said, "We're not going to fight. It's Christmas," and so they kind of uh, struck a a momentary uh, truce and uh, they, uh, they I think they, they sang songs together I think they played soccer together for a while they kind of were allowed to have Christmas before having to go back to uh, war um, yeah. and so it's been one I've been really wanting to see for a while and uh, it's on the top of my list of things to watch this holiday season yeah, I have I have one other one that's on my list, um, and it's it's the weirdest sounding Christmas movie that I think I've ever heard of, and so I'm really excited to see it. Um, it's called Rare Exports: A Christmas Tale. Okay, um, it is um, from Finland. It came out in 2010. 
Um, and I'm just going to read you the Netflix, uh, the Netflix description because I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I can't actually recommend it, but I'm going to read you what it's about just so you can understand how weird this is. Um, A Christmas story set in the frozen beauty of Finland where local reindeer herders race against the clock to capture an ancient evil, Santa Claus. (laughs) Single father Rano and his young son Patari are caught up in the chaos as international scientists dig for artifacts and what they find endangers the entire village. Add to DVD. (laughs) It's an R-rated... Finnish export. Oh, availability's long wait. <laughs> but I'm I, I cannot tell you how excited I am to see this. <laughs> because it just looks incredibly bizarre. <laughs> um yeah, I'm sure we've missed some some stuff that you love. Um But that's yeah. what the website and Facebook are for. Exactly. You know, catch us on Twitter. Our Twitter account is movies you should. Um so Go ahead and uh, follow us there, and and you can kind of join in the conversation with us. Find um, us on Facebook, or go to moviesyoushouldlove dot com, and you know find the particular podcast and uh, weigh in on it. You know, leave your comments. And uh, what movie did we miss? What movie do you completely disagree with? <laughs> yeah, you know, have we said something that just has really ticked you off about your favorite movie? You know, uh, let us know, and we will uh, tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, no but but yeah uh you know we hope you've really enjoyed this this series of podcasts we've had a lot of fun making them mm-hmm. and kind of going back through all of these christmas movies and really figuring out you know stuff that we've enjoyed and, and why we've enjoyed it um yeah so from is there's there is one kind of final thought i would like to maybe bring up and i just wanted to hear your thoughts on it and i also would like to hear the uh the listeners uh thoughts on this subject of the nativity story proper you know um as we i know we talked about it just before we started recording um there hasn't really been a good adaptation of the nativity story of you know the story of jesus being born the three kings showing up or just of mary and joseph or however you decided to to, uh, approach that adaptation um there really hasn't been one. Like the, there was one that came out in 2006 that I remember being excited about because it was directed by Catherine Hardwick, who had directed um, this little independent movie called 13. And it was such a raw, honest look at being a teenager. I had thought that hopefully she would bring that same uh, reality or uh, drama to the story of Mary and Joseph as they, you know, went on this journey and had this baby but it ended up becoming you know not a lot of she didn't really bring anything really new or interesting to the movie i felt at the end of the day um the nativity story it was just kind of it felt like a church play that was filmed in a lot of ways yeah and and i and it made some really weird choices i i felt i mean it 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 felt like it never really quite yeah, like it, it, like it, it found its own groove of, of what it wanted to be. Yeah, like it wanted to be realistic. I felt like it's like it wanted to be gritty and real, but then they also kind of went a little fantasy-ish with you know the mm-hmm. three kings showing up the night of the birth, where mm-hmm. you know a lot of people kind of go, "We don't think that's when that happened." Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, and, and just this the stylization of everything, it never quite found. A style. It was. It was almost like they they never went far enough in any one direction. I mean, I think it could have maybe worked as like a fantasy sort of film and really push that direction with yeah, it. Yeah, something really magical have, and special and yeah. 
or it could have worked as a really historical sort of movie with you know tons of grit in all of the cracks and and really delving into that time period yeah because that was kind of what they were saying going Mm -hmm. into it was that they were Mm -hmm. going to try to really embrace the historical narrative that they were going to really try to go you know this was at the time of this king herod and this Mm -hmm. caesar and all of this and once you watch the movie that didn't really seem to come through anywhere Mm -hmm. i mean i thought herod was played well he's played by what was his name? Kyrian Hines, the guy who played Caesar in uh, Rome, played mm-hmm. Herod, and he did mm-hmm. a decent job. Um, but everything else, it just kind of fell kind of flat. And so I was just kind of wondering, um, mm-hmm. why do you think we, you know, if, the, if Jesus is the reason for the season, as people like to say, um, why do we have so many more Santa movies than Jesus movies when we've had so, you know, we have such a large uh, Christian population in America and in the world, and throughout history, I mean, it seems like when they were making Ben Hurd, when they were making The Robe and King of Kings, it seems like somebody would have said, "What about the Mary and Joseph story? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, why do you think that hasn't happened yet? And should we be the ones to do it?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I don't know. It's it's an interesting question. You can weigh in on that on our website at moviesyoushouldlove.com. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was, <laughs> that was a tangent there at the end, but it's it's something that just kind of struck me as we recorded these past podcasts, that there, um, this, this season tends to be a season of a certain amount of spirituality, regardless of your particular worldview or, or, or religion. Mm-hmm. This tends to be a time that ushers in a certain amount of self-reflection and a time for renewal because you're entering into a new year and so you can kind of say you know what i am done with this year i want a new beginning um and it's interesting to me that despite that most of the movies tend to be more commercial than spiritual when you get into the actual um content of some of these christmas films you know you have movies like the santa claus you have movies like uh, even Miracle on 34th Street or some of these other movies that kind of embrace one magical aspect of the season, but not the other. It's interesting to me. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. It's um, it's an interesting season, and it's interesting the, the reasons that, that people do their celebrations, and it's interesting... You know what Hollywood brings us out of that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know what would what would you like to see out of out of some Christmas movies? You know what what hasn't been done? What would you like to see that that Hollywood hasn't brought us in recent years? Or uh, are you happy with the way things are? I mean, yeah. those are all those are all really valid questions. Or what's your, I think, fi- yeah, what's your favorite type of Christian? Uh, not Christian, sorry, Christmas movie. What's your favorite? You know, is there a a certain style i definitely find myself attracted more to these movies that aren't about christmas but take place during christmas Mm -hmm. i definitely like those and i don't know what's yours yeah so again you can you can chime in at movies you should love.com and uh as always just thank you for taking the time uh to listen to our podcast we know it's um you know a, a good portion of time and and we really appreciate you uh being willing to listen to us and uh and just thanks for for uh, everything. Uh, we hope you have a fantastic holiday season, and hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, weigh in on all of this, and let us know if you like these longer, if you like longer episodes, or if you prefer shorter ones. I know I prefer longer podcasts, but uh, you know, let us know, and we will try to uh, we'll try to see what we can do about that. Um, have a very happy holiday season, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year, and uh, 
we will shortly return to our AFI Top 100 list. Indeed. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com. 